1: Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast. I'm Blair Kirkhoff, and on today's show, we're talking college football with the writers who know them best. Calis Robinette covers Kansas State, and the Wildcats enter this season with Big 12 championship rings. K-State is defending its conference title in a new 14-team Big 12 with a few holes to fill, but quarterback Will Howard returns, as does the entire offensive line, and enough pieces on defense to leave the impression K-State could contend for another title. Then we switch to Columbia and talk to Chris Krasinski, who covers the Missouri Tigers. It's a big year for Mizzou and coach Eli Drinkwitz, who has handed over play-calling duties to his new offensive coordinator, Kirby Moore. What kind of difference can a coordinator make? Well, just check out the defense from Missouri last year when they had a new coordinator. Shrey Eslada covers the Kansas Jayhawks. And there's much interest in Coach Lance Leipold's third season, especially since the second one produced a bowl game. Don't expect KU to sneak up on any team this year, but they may not need the element of surprise with quarterback Jalen Daniels and many returning starters. Okay, let's get started talking college football. Calis Robinette covers Kansas State for the star in the Wichita Eagle. And it's been an off-season of Ring fitting and crown fitting and celebrating a Big Twelve championship. I know there have been many junctures since Kansas State put away TCU in the Big Twelve title game last year, where Chris Kleiman and players have said that's in the past. It's not a. It's not an issue. But some preseason magazines I've seen Kansas State, you know, as a contending team and. Um, and and I I think they will be a contending team. Are you convinced that uh, they've got 2023 on their minds and are ready to go this season? I think they do, and I'll give you one example of why I think that way.
2: Um, I really don't see Kansas State football players wear their championship rings anywhere. They didn't do it in Big Show Media Days. They don't do it when they show up for interviews with us. When I see them out in the street in town, I don't see it. I'm sure they wear them sometimes. I mean, they made a big deal about getting him last season. It's a heck of an accomplishment. They'll remember it forever. But it really does seem like they've put last season behind him. Um, a lot of the, these guys were on that team, but you got to give a lot of credit to people like Deuce Vaughn, Felix Eniudike Uzama, other people who are in the NFL. I think the current roster at Kansas State realizes that. They want to forge uh, forge ahead and create their own path, make their own – legacy here in Manhattan. And yeah, I, I I really don't hear people talking all that much about last season anymore. And more than anything, I I think this team just wants to prove that, you know, in the past they have wanted to prove uh, people wrong. I think this year we have a group that wants to prove people right because people are picking a little bit higher than they have in the past. And that's a new feeling. And I think that helps them create a little bit of separation from last year.
1: For sure. They are being picked upper division, uh, I see him in the top five, along with Texas, OU, Texas Tech, uh, TCU. Mostly, it seems like those five schools. Maybe you can throw Oklahoma State in there as well. Those are the schools that I see picked, you know, in the you know in the upper echelon of the Big Twelve. Of course, with with a new fourteen team league, there was a true upper echelon. If you were if you were picked fifth last year, you're middle of the pack. You're picked fifth this year, or fourth, or wherever. If you're one of those two, you're in the upper, pretty much in the upper quadrant. So, and I think if you're thought of in that way, a top five or six program, you've got to feel pretty good about your chances, uh, or see, feel good about having a team good enough to get to the championship game, because it is the top two teams. And Kansas State finished second a year ago and got into the title game and and, and won the championship. So, all right, Callis, what um, what kind of team is it? How's it going to be different than last year? We got the same quarterback that started the Big 12 title game and the Sugar Bowl game against Alabama. Will Howard is back, but uh, but he is missing a couple of key offensive pieces. What's going to be different about this, K-State? Let's start with the offense.
2: Yeah, so Kansas State is in an interesting spot this season in that they lose a lot of firepower from last season. Some big names to the NFL. I already mentioned Felix and Deuce. They're also having to replace Julius Prince, Josh Hayes. Echo Boido, a lot of players that Kansas State fans have seen for years and years play um, in purple. So not easy in that sense, but at the same time, Kansas State benefits from being one of the few schools in the Big 12 and the entire country that brings back their starting quarterback, their offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, and their head coach. That is a lot of stability. And on top of that, they also bring back six starters on the offensive line, Um, not just five, six, because Taylor Portier. Who's really good, but just can't seem to stay healthy, is back and healthy, knocking what he can survive a few uh, more than a few games a season. So they've got a lot of pieces back. They're hoping to basically just to build on that this season with a couple guys that I think um, can make some big debuts here. And the three guys I've got circled that I really want to see in game one are receiver Keegan Johnson, a transfer from Iowa. His numbers were never very good with the Hawkeyes, but you kind of have to throw that out the window because it's Iowa, a team that just does not score many points. They win with defense. They win with special teams. They can even get to like 21 points in the game. It's an amazing feat. Um, But people have raved about him all camp. He could come in and be a a very nice upgrade there as a wide receiver one. And then in the backfield, I really want to see what DJ Giddens can do now that he's no longer in Deuce Vaughn's shadow. And then also Trayshawn Ward, a transfer in from Florida State. Um, He's not a carbon copy of Deuce Vaughn, but if you get the ball to him in space, he'll make you miss and he'll gain yards. So they've got a nice one-two punch at running back coming in that fans haven't seen much of in the past. And they've got some new talent at receiver. That's really where the eyes are going to be in this first game.
1: Okay. Um, On the defensive side, they've got some starters returning, but they're probably – a few more question marks on the defensive side than than on offense?
2: There are. Um, and the, the place where you feel good about is linebacker. Because they bring back Austin Moore, who led the team in tackles last season. They bring back Daniel Green, who's been a staple on defense for years and years.
1: Yeah, that was a surprise, him coming back. Yeah,
2: yeah, big-time surprise that he came back. Most people figured he was gone. Um, but he's back for another year. So you won't find really a more experienced linebacker core in the uh, entire big 12. So they're going to lean on that um, where they're looking to, you know, get some new faces involved is corner. They'll have some new players out there. Safety. They'll have new players back there and defensive tackle. They'll have some brand new players in there. So really they're replacing half their defense. uh, The majority of their back end. And if you're, Really looking for things to watch in the first game on defense. You'll want to be looking at how did how do guys like Jacob Parrish, Keenan Garber, and Will Lee replace two cornerbacks who started for years and years for, at Kansas State? And then how do people like um VJ Payne and Marcus Siegel step in at safety? Um I've kind of overlooked it this preseason just because Joe Klanderman, their defensive coordinator, has had a really good knack for basically just plugging in new guys at those spots and being just fine, Um, whether it's injuries or transfers, whoever they put back there seems to be uh, a very capable player. Um, So I'm just expecting more of the same, but you obviously can't take things for granted. So we'll see how they do in game one.
1: And because it's Kansas state, you have to talk special teams. They take it so seriously and they're so good on it with the special teams. Uh, but they lose. Uh, they lose the kicker, uh, Ty, Ty Zetner, who won the Big 12 title with his field goal in overtime to beat TCU. And they lose Malik Knowles, right? The the return specialist. Those are two two big time guys. Uh, Definitely. So it's different at K State when you they they have to find replacements. Do they have adequate replacements there?
2: Yeah, the kicking game will be interesting because Ty Zetner, as you and I both know, wasn't just their kicker; he was also their punter. He was also their kickoff specialist. Um, probably could have found a way to hold the ball and kick it at the same time if he really wanted to. Um, but he, he's he gone. He's off in the NFL now. So who are they going to turn to replace him? We're looking at Chris Tennant at uh, place kicker, a guy from Kansas City who's got a really big leg. He's just struggled with accuracy in the past. The hope is that after last year he got replaced, maybe now he can come back with um, a little bit more motivation and be a better kicker. I, I think he will be. And punter, we're looking at Jake Bloomer uh Jack Bloomer, who uh has, has punted before, and I think he'll be fine. And then at kickoff return, it will be interesting to see what they do without Malik Knowles back there. According to their depth chart, they're gonna go with um Keegan Johnson and Phillip Brooks. Um, and yeah, I've never seen Keegan Johnson return a kick, but I guess you gotta you gotta figure he's okay at it because special teams, are you they're not just gonna put a bum back there. But that'll be that'll be interesting. This is more um, intrigue than I can remember starting a season of special teams for a while.
1: Okay, and I want to ask you about a potential. Let's what's let's say an early season swing game for Kansas State. I mean, there are plenty of every conference game is a swing game, but how about one any game in the first half of the schedule that might be the of a, a, a tell about what K-State will be about this year?
2: You know, you could go one of two ways here. I, I think Kansas State has a tricky non-conference schedule. Um, Troy comes to Manhattan, which has is the c- kind of team that Kansas State has struggled with in that spot previously. Chris Kleiman, since he came to Manhattan, has already lost at home to Arkansas State and to Tulane. Troy fits the same kind of profile. They're a really good group of five team. They won 12 games last year. Little known fact, outside of Georgia, the longest winning streak in the entire country belongs to Troy. They've got a salty defense. They're not just going to come in here and let Kansas State score 50 on them. Um, I do expect Kansas State to win, but if if, if they don't bring it, that's going to be a t- tough game for them. Um, I think, though, the bigger swing game is the next week at Missouri. And I say that because the Tigers got their butts kicked when they came out to Manhattan last season. Wasn't even close. 40-12. to 12. They needed um, some late game timeout, theatrics even to score the 12 that they got. Um, I have to imagine they're not happy with the Wildcats. I think they're going to be mad. I think they're going to be angry. I think they're going to be motivated. I would still probably pick Kansas State in that game, but going on the road to an SEC school that has revenge on its mind, never easy. Can Kansas State handle that? I think if they do, you're looking at, Probably another nine-win season, uh, eight at the worst, which you know would be pretty good for this team with all they have to replace. But if they lose that game, I, I just don't know that they have quite enough talent on this roster to bounce back from it and do what they did last season and reel off a seven-and-two record in Big 12 play to um, have a great. Scheduled out uh, a great season that way. I think they need to go 3 0 in the non conference and enter, enter league play with that momentum. So that's why I'm picking Nike.
1: All right. And you've already uh, picked the final record. Remind us how you picked it for um, for the Eagle and the Star.
2: Yeah. So I'm going with 9 and 3 for this team. I think they will win those games that I just mentioned, even though they will be tricky. I think they'll fall someplace in conference play. I've thrown out that maybe they'll they'll stumble against UCF in their Big 12 home opener. It could be anywhere else. Just for whatever reason, um, historically, Kansas State seems to drop one game at home every season you don't really see coming. I think they'll pick up one game you don't necessarily see coming on the road, and then two other games in there will go, won't go go that way.
1: So that will be the, the final record. Very good. Nobody covers Kansas State better than Calis Robinette. Thanks, Calis.
2: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
1: We are joined by Chris Kuzinski of the Columbia Tribune, and the Tribune shares its coverage of Missouri athletics with the Kansas City Star. Chris, how are you doing, man?
3: I'm good today. Ready for game one.
1: Yes, it is here. College football season has arrived week one. We're through week zero, and Missouri unscathed through week zero, and they are kicking off the season Thursday night. Against South Dakota, they got the better South Dakota team to play. You don't want anything to do with South Dakota State. They're preseason number one in FCS. South Dakota is the one you want to play.
3: Yeah, uh, I mean, looking at South Dakota, you know, I covered FCS football for a couple of years, and I mean, the one thing you can do, the one thing you don't want to do, that is, is to underestimate any FCS opponent, and no you don't, you do not want to take them lightly, especially if it's South Dakota State. Those guys. They're tough, but it, South Dakota has—they have a good history too. It's—it's it, it's kind of you know on the upswing, but they've—they've uh, they've got a, a good football history too.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I've—I've I've covered enough North Dakota State upsets of major college powers over the years. You're absolutely right. So, all right, Mizzou, fourth season for Eli Drinkwitz, but first season for Kirby Moore, the new offensive coordinator. One of the bigger developments off season for Missouri. Things are going to be different in Columbia with more as the offensive coordinator. How so?
3: I think it's one you look, logistically got to look at it is Drinkwitz is giving off play calling, which is one thing that he always brought with him to Columbia. You know, coming from not only NC State as the offensive coordinator to App State as the head coach and so now to Columbia, it, it was his, that was his thing. It was play calling and, and recruiting and giving up, Play calling had to have been hard, you know, that that's a testament to just how far he's come as a head coach and how dedicated he is to maturing in that role. And it's, it's not easy. It's not easy to look up, look yourself in the mirror and say, you know, this is the thing I really like to do, but we'd be better off if someone else did it. You know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of self-reflection he had to come to, but getting Kirby Moore, I think is something that's going to affect Mizzou, not just, you know, short term, you know, this year, but in the long run as a quarterback's coach and as uh, a guy that can probably recruit too and kind of scheme up some some interesting plays, and he's a young mind. You know, it's a young breath of fresh air for this team, and it's exciting to, to just think how he's going to work with guys like Luther Burden, and Sam Horn, uh, to Boris Jones, to the running game with Nate Pete, Cody Schrader. There's so many pieces he's got. You know, keys to the car now. Have fun.
1: And the decision on the quarterback, he'll be obviously Kirby Moore will be involved in coaching up the quarterback. The decision lies with Eli Drinkwitz, not only who plays, but how the shuffle may work early on. Tell us about what he has said about playing Brady Cook and Sam Horn and even Jake Garcia and, and maybe another candidate.
3: Yeah, I think right now it's coming down to Sam and Brady. I think that's the uh the, the gist of what we, what we got last Friday when we spoke to Drinkwitz about uh, the week one and preparing for everything. He basically said, you know, it's, it's coming down to these two. Both of them are going to play. Uh, the quarterback decision is not final yet. It's not over. It's still in the midst of everything. It's still uh, being talked about and being won. And um, now I, the one thing he said that was really interesting is, is no quarterback in the race you know, from Jake to Sam to Brady, uh, even Jabari John, uh, D- Jabari Johnson, I believe a four-star a freshman didn't play themselves out of the race. You know, they didn't, uh, they didn't play to the point where they said, yeah, you're, you're not in the race anymore. We're going to take you out. They, all the quarterbacks played well. It's just Brady and Sam have separated themselves from the rest and they've earned that, uh, they've earned the shot to kind of go, you know, toe to toe in a game in a, in a way that's kind of interesting because we've seen it work like last year with Michigan, J.J. McCarthy, uh, uh, Caden McNamara, I believe, uh, did it to, to great effect. And uh, I remember a couple of years ago in 2016, Notre Dame tried it with League Zaire and Deshaun Kaiser and it did not work. They lost that first game to Texas in a in a tough fashion because they rotated and they couldn't get any rhythm going. And I I think that's on the mind uh, of Eli. He wasn't really committal to or really even telling us how he was going to do it, which makes sense. You know, he's not going to play his hand before uh, he even enters the game, but um, right now I think we're going to start to see a little bit of that dance, um, how it unfolds. I'm not sure, but it wouldn't surprise me if you know Brady starts the game uh, six to six, a touchdown. I don't think he's coming out. I think they're going to ride the the rhythm that he has and kind of ride that. the uh, same goes for Sam. If Sam comes in and goes seven for seven with a touchdown, they're gonna they're just gonna ride it, see how far it goes. Um, I do break I do think Brady's going to be the first player or the first quarterback to take a snap. Because uh, he's earned it, he's got you know, the incumbent starter, a guy that's hasn't lost the job. But I, I think it's it's going to be interesting to see how both offenses run with Brady, who's more of a natural runner than Sam, who's uh, that four star quarterback with that just that enormous arm talent that he has. And um, we'll we'll see how it plays out. But I know it's going to start with Brady for sure. I think.
1: And you mentioned the other weapons; they they do have other weapons. I um, Luther Luther Burden, of course. Didn't have huge numbers last year, but found the end zone quite frequently. And um, and I'm really personally pulling for Nate Pete. I I know he you know it was a great story to have him come back to his you know his hometown last year to finish his you know we we thought was finishing his college career. Uh, turns out he's coming back for yet uh, I guess his COVID year extra eligibility year. Um, and really hope that uh, you know he he comes up big in his super senior year. But you know, with Missouri, and and listen. So when I thought about Kirby Moore and and what a difference a coordinator can make uh, in a college football program, I think all I had to do was think about the defense, Missouri's defense last year, and and the difference that uh, Blake Baker made with the Tigers. So many of those guys are coming back this year, and I, um, if if the offense can just take a few strides this season, and the defense can maintain what it was, or maybe even get a little bit better, this could be a pretty special team. They got a lot of talent on this defensive side.
3: Oh, without a doubt. And I mean, uh, when you re- return, I, I think uh, I was trying to crunch the numbers early today, and it seems like 10 of 11 starters, there's 10 of 11 players that got meaningful playing time uh are back and um that includes Dalen Carnell who saw time at the star position when you know rotating with Martez Manuel and that's a guy who seems to have a knack for the football and It was crazy because he never he didn't play full time. He he spelled with uh, Martez. Martez was the captain and the starter, and uh, now he's going to have that opportunity. And I I think the the one thing I'm looking at is that one that one spot. You know that one person who's coming in, and to me that's Joe Moore. That's the guy that I'm watching, kind of filling in that defensive end spot where Isaiah McGuire uh, uh, left off when he got drafted by the Browns. I mean they they're in need of that consistent pass rush. Isaiah was that last year. So was Trajan Jeff Cope, but kicking Darius Robinson out to the edge and having Joe Moore go out there to a St. Louis guy, a, a Mizzou by the name guy, his dad played at Mizzou. He's got that legacy there. There's a lot that, that this team can still show us that we haven't seen. And I think it kind of starts with the front four. Um, obviously with the the rest of the team, it, you you just mentioned it. I mean, if you have these guys coming back, Chris Amos, Drain, Ennis uh, Raikstra, uh and JC Carleys, Joseph Charleston, um, these guys can come back and play similar that's great, but you want to be better. You know, you want to see the team improve, and uh, if they can take that next step, I mean, you're talking about not just the top uh, half of the league defense. You're talking about maybe top five, could even be top three, which is how this team has that NFL talent. It's just sometimes it gets a little bit overlooked, especially when you play in a conference that has Georgia, that has Alabama. It's kind of hard. So, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what what they can do to push themselves to the next level.
1: They definitely have some NFL dudes on defense. I, oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that unit plays this year. All right, Chris, let me ask you this: um, a let, let's, let's identify an early barometer game for the Tigers. Could be an SEC game, could be a non-conference game, but how about some game in the first three, four, five weeks that you think will help us define what the Tigers are about?
3: Yeah, it's, it's interesting because it, w- it was this way last year too. It was the kansas state game last year and it's the same it's the same game around in my opinion and uh you've got this kansas state team which is coming off a big 12 title that's coming to for o field this year we know that last year they went out there and got embarrassed at manhattan uh it got washed away in that terrible rainstorm i mean it was just kind of brutal waiting around with that thunder uh the delay and everything It was a weird game and but but this time around they seem a little bit more together they seem a little bit they know what to expect when they played that team obviously uh, Adrian Martinez was a quarterback. It's going to be Will Howard this time around, but that that game is going to be that barometer just to, to, to tell you how do you play against a top 25 team? How do you play against a team that's got expectations, but not only that, but that has proved it. And That's been a big thing with Mizzou this offseason. STP is their trademark uh, call sign or rallying cry, something to prove it. Kansas State's a team that's proved it. You know they, They've gone out there, they've won. Uh, they played Alabama in a bowl game and, and they got the front of a very angry Alabama and that doesn't doesn't tell you exactly how their season went but I mean uh, they've proved it. Mizzou wants to prove it so it's time to prove it against a team that has done that and they can win that game. I mean you're talking about Mizzou potentially starting 5-0 and going into Furrow Field on I think it's October 7th when LSU comes to town and that might be two and 5-0 teams. That would be like in year four of the Drinkwitz era when you talk about the, the absolute best case scenario, that's what I think of, you know, starting uh five and zero against a five and zero LSU team, but we're college game day is probably coming to Columbia because those are two ranked teams, you know, well, that's just kind of how I see it shaking out. That's that early barometer game. I'm looking forward to.
1: Very good. Excellent. All right. So, and what about a, what about a final record for the tigers? I think they're a bowl team, but um, it's, it lists, they're in the sec and who the heck knows after Georgia, right? I mean, uh, but what, what what have you got? Uh, what have you got? The Tigers finishing?
3: Yeah, uh, wrote this in a in a game by game prediction, and um, that I, I think they're they're eight and four this year. I think they've got that uh, they got the talent to improve by a couple wins. Uh, I, I can see them starting. Uh, I can see them starting five and zero going into that LSU game. And uh, if you're five and zero, you know, beginning of the season as opposed to getting that fifth win uh, in October November, which is what Mizzou has done the last couple years. I mean, that's huge. That's a huge uh, turn for this program. And uh, honestly, it's not going to be easy, especially when you consider, well, if you have middle Tennessee state, South Dakota, yeah, you would assume you're going to win those games because Mizzou's in your, like we mentioned in your four drug you don't lose those games. Uh, but when you talk about beating uh, a, Mem- a Memphis team, which is kind of angry at Mizzou with how they, how everything's shaked out moving from Memphis to St. Louis, and then beating a a good kansas state team and then also being a, a very improved vanderbilt squad in nashville that's going to be uh, a little bit more difficult than i think people are expecting but if you can do that i mean it's going to be hard in the sec play we all know that especially with a trip to georgia and tennessee coming to columbia and for some reason tennessee just can't stop boat racing mizzou but um i think uh, i think right now that that eight win mark would be really a really good testament to how far this team has come far this program has come the maturity that this team has had to to face and the I mean when you talk about drink it's giving up play calling but also like you mentioned the story with Nate Pete coming back for this this last year he didn't have to you know when I asked him about that I was like why would you come back he said this is this the team I felt comfortable I felt like I had more to give and there are so many great stories on this team which deserve to be highlighted by the college game days and all that Um, and I think we're going to start seeing a lot of that come to fruition this year
1: you know, Chris. On this podcast, we also talked to uh, beat writers for Kansas State and KU, and in both of those cases, I don't think, kind of, no matter what happens this season, that the, the 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 jobs are on the line for for those programs, Chris Kleiman and, and Lance Leipold at those two schools. I do think I don't think that's the case at Missouri. I, th- I think that there is some pressure on Eli Drinkwitz to perform. In year four, we, he he did get a contract extension last year, but I think was he is he right at five hundred overall as a coach and entering year four. If he's not with, it, he's within one or two games of it and under five hundred in the SEC. So it's time to perform.
3: Yeah, I think you're spot on with that. His overall record's like 17 to 19,
2: hmm.
3: um, and that's when you factor in the, the two bowl games where they played without starters, the guys declaring for the draft. So you're right; it's kind of the anomaly where you can say, "Yeah, he's been 500. He's been uh, he's been just average." And, and I know that it's that's not what you want to be in an SEC school, but I think the most interesting part about that is he has to go back to a bowl game. He has to win it this year. I think um if he wins eight games then i think he's set i think he's set for next year um but you you can't go out and you can't do the same thing over and over again i think that's what that extension last year was uh, it kind of said hey you know we believe in you we think you can get there but now you got to prove it um and, and it's, that's a lot of pressure it is but also as i think help expedite the process and the decision to hire an offensive coordinator say well if we're going to go all out we got to do this the right way um but when it comes down to it that pressure is going to be there uh, i know Drinkwiz is kind of not shrugged it off but it's kind of acknowledged that it's always there but it's always pressure you're in the sec of course but um it's a little bit heightened this year and and wouldn't surprise me if you know if they did start to struggle early on that we kind of revisited this conversation and say well what's next but um like i said the the schedule kind of aligns to the point where this team can start pretty fast and pretty quick and we'll we'll start to see exactly how quick they can start
1: Great stuff. Chris, really appreciate you stopping by and talking to us. Thanks, Blair. Trey, i to remind me that your first game covering Kansas football was indeed a loss, but it was an incredible loss, wasn't it?
0: It, it was. It was the uh, infamous Liberty Bowl uh, where they lost in triple overtime uh, when Jason Bean's two-point conversion uh, pass sailed over the head, uh, over the end zone. Um but it was is a crazy game. I think they were down thirty one seven at one point. Uh, they came back. It was a Jalen Daniels masterclass. I mean, you know, it was everything you've ever won out of a football game except defense, all at <laughs> <it> once. <was. laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and sometimes we won't we won't bother our listeners with this, but uh, a game like that is impossible to write because uh, you're on deadline, and we'll we'll just skip that drama but but uh, that's uh, those are those are the toughest games in the world so they did lose that game and they finished six and seven um and so when I look at you know, after starting five and0 so they, they just win one game in their last you know um, seven games and I look okay so that sets up as a sort of a, a letdown season uh, coming up. But I don't know, not not with this team. There just seems to be too much good offense coming back for for this KU team. I I, I think they're I think they can think about a bowl game again this year. Um, what, what's your take? Let's start with the offense and and the wealth of talent that's coming back on that side of the ball.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think ESPN had it's like the returning uh, top returning teams in uh, Kansas is number two in the nation. Uh, they were number one in offensive like returning production. Uh, ninety-one percent of the team from last year returns on the offensive end, and I think it's like eighty percent. Uh, for the defense, so eighty-five or something like that uh, together. Uh, but I, I was honestly super, super, you know, stoked in in a sense that they have Daniel Hayschak coming back. You have uh, ideally a healthy Jalen Daniels who's been battling some of the back issues throughout fall camp. Um, you know, this offense should be even better uh, than last year, and and Nikki is. I mean, to say it lightly, I think he's an offensive genius. He's he's done a really good job with the players that he's been given and taking advantage of their talents and making a scheme that fits all of them. Um, and, and last year they ranked, I think, number seven in yards per completion. Uh, they were ranked top 15 in a lot of offensive ranks. Um, really, until Jalen Daniels went down, that offense was really, really, you know, top 10, top five. Uh, and even with Jason Bean, it was humming a little bit. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be a team that's going to lean its offense to really deliver wins. I think
1: Kudernicky, of course, is the offensive coordinator um, and did a wonderful job with this team a year ago. Yeah, um, when when you say sometimes it's not a great thing if you got a bunch of your players coming back, but I think in this case, such a talented offense a year ago, and the, the other thing, Shrey, is when I think about. Um, sizing up a team like Kansas, they're not going to sneak up on people that that might've happened a year ago, especially the wins over West Virginia and Houston, early Duke. Um, they're not going to sneak up on people. They just might be good enough to, it, it, that may not matter. You know, you, you know what they got and Jalen Daniels is a is special talent. You've mentioned, you know, nagging back injury. Heck, I'd put the guy in bubble wrap. I wouldn't have played him at all in, the, in the preseason, but, um, but uh, he, he is a special guy and preseason player of the year in the Big 12. Probably, probably been a while since that has happened. What makes Jalen Daniels just so special?
0: I mean, he's an incredible, uh, you know, person off the field. His teammates rave about him, how great he is. He's an academic All-American um, on the field. He's just he works his tail off. I mean, I wrote a, a big feature on him and his journey to get to the point where he is the preseason player of the year. I mean, Kansas was his only offer, really, until a week before he was supposed to sign on the dotted line with Middle Tennessee. Um, You know, he – could have given up and left when he was 0-9 his freshman year or when he was third string and he was about to be redshirted. Then of course uh, the two players ahead of him get hurt. He gets in the Texas or the K-State game, plays it out. And then they are like, Do you want to start the Kansas, or the Texas game? You're gonna lose your redshirt eligibility. He was like, I gotta do it. He has his come out party, and you know, the rest is history. You know, it's it's a very cool story of a, a guy who wouldn't have any stars next to his name till really midway through his senior year. And, uh, you know, he can do it on both ends. He's a a prolific passer. He was, I think, for a long time, uh, number one in QBR in the entire nation. Um, And he had over 500 yards on the ground in just nine games. So Kansas is really relying on Jalen Daniels and his ability because I can't remember the last time Kansas, besides maybe Todd Reising, has that caliber of quarterback to headquarter them. I mean, you know, uh, and if he wasn't 5'10", I think he'd be getting a lot more draft buzz uh, than he is right now. Uh, but he, he's special and, you know, that offense and uh, the team as a whole, they really believe in Jalen Daniel Daniels' talent. And and I've been very high on him. And I, I said it in my, uh, you know, game-by-game game preview. If Jalen Daniels and the running back group can stay healthy the entire year, which is a big if, I think they could theoretically go 9-3. and three. You know, that's a lot of 50-50 games on that schedule. But... You know why not Kansas? Why not beat OU this year? Uh, You know with all the talent returning in in year three of Lance Leipold, Um, and like you said, they've kind of been very cautious on everything for Jalen. I think they've been overly cautious a little bit uh, with his back, and I don't blame them because he is the face of Kansas football. So his uh, if he can put together a season like he did last, or even better, Kansas is in really good shape.
1: All right, you threw a big record out there we'll get to your uh final prediction here at the end of our segment and you already had to do it for the newspaper so it's al- it's already out there <laughs> but let, let's qu- quickly talk about the defense back seven strong right it's a, it's 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 up front that there's some question marks and and the in the reliance of some transfers to to fill those holes can Kansas win some games this year without having to simply outscore people you know win games 49 to 42, can they avoid that like they like they had to do a year ago?
0: I think it's possible, but I look at the schedule and how tough it is for Kansas. It's really going to come down to, you know, the defense as a whole has to take a step. And I don't I think they'll take a step forward. I just don't know if the step is from number one twenty seven in the nation to top 80. Like that's a big step, right? If it's a step of like 15, you know, they go top number, top 115 defense. That's not that big of a step, but that's a step. So how big of a step they take, I think is a really big thing. Uh, another thing I wrote about it today is just how do they get pressure to the quarterback? Uh, you know, they brought in a lot of transfers and all of the transfers are basically either starting or buying for like the second spot uh, backup spots for uh, the defensive line. Uh, it was interesting because I talked to Dominic Pooney today and I asked him, you know, how does the d- line look? And he was like, you know, the d- defensive tackles, they're all great. You know, the defensive ends, those guys, they can really pressure quarterback, you know, like they're going to surprise a lot of people this year. I've heard that from a lot of the the offensive line of Kansas, which is is a big, big, you know, offensive line. Um, and and I think we've talked about this before off the air. You know, Kansas is a lot bigger than they've been uh, previously. You know, they brought in a lot of beefy, big yeah. <laughs> dudes who can really kind of take up space and create space on the D line and the O line. Uh, but, you know, and, and the secondary is returning a lot of starters. Uh, and the one thing, you know, Jacoby Bryant was first, the only first team player from Kansas last year. Uh, you're looking for him to kind of put that protection, like, you know, what he was doing last year and return with it. Uh, of course, a big thing for him is he always gambles. He plays like you know Trayvon Diggs from the Dallas Cowboys. He gambles a lot in his plays. It worked out last year. He's going to work out this year. That's that's a big you know question mark. Um, I really am interested to see what happens with the defense because Brian Borland has been emphasizing all off season the defensive coordinator uh, how they don't want to be the weak spot in the chain. And I mean he has one year left on his contract. He's an option for next year. Uh, and he's been tied to Lance Leipold for about 11 years now. Uh, I don't expect him to be, you know, let go, but you can definitely feel the pressure. Every time you talk to him at press conferences, he brings up the defense and be better than last year. Need to do this, need to do that. I think he knows they they were the thing that everyone looks at as like, hey man, the offense was so good. The, the special team is going to take a step forward. What is the defense going to do?
1: All right, let's do uh, two things. let us We'll get to, to reiterate the uh, final prediction, but also, Let's start with this. Uh, how about identifying an early season swing game for the Jayhawks? Could be a conference game early, or um, or not one of the non-cons. What what do you see as a a barometer game early on for KU?
0: It, it's actually next week. Illinois. Illinois is a really really important game for KU. If they lose that game, I feel <laughs> a lot less. At home, right?
1: It's it's a Lawrence yeah. Week Two game, uh, another Friday night game, actually.
0: Yeah, yeah. It actually starts off the. I think their prime time. It starts off the college football. Uh, you know, games for that week. I, I I'm really interested to see how they play. They should be better than this Illinois team. They shouldn't drop them, but they are a tough team. And a lot of uh, you know, outlets are saying Illinois is underrated this year. You know, they have a pretty good offense like Kansas does, and the defense is a little better than Kansas is um but if if kansas is as good as kansas thinks they are they need a bit of illinois they need a bit nevada because you need to go into that texas game uh really four and oh you know they they got to beat ucf which is a big swing game as well uh for kansas to make a bowl i think they need to start off as well as they did last year at least four wins
1: in a row okay all right sounds good and what what did you predict them to finish
0: uh, I had him 9-3, which, you know, maybe that's me drinking the Jalen Daniels and Lance Leipold Kool-Aid. Maybe that's just me being a newcomer and having seen, you know, years of Kansas football losing. Uh, but I, I really do think Jalen is an NFL-level quarterback if he can stay healthy. And I think that's a big if, of course. But I think the defense would take a step forward. Uh, the special teams were really bad last year. I think, you know, number, like, 92 or something like that in the nation. Uh, they brought in Sean Snyder. Uh, special teams whiz, son of Bill Snyder, uh, who has brought USC to prominence in special teams. and want to make sure for that. So I think they'll be a lot better on that end. Uh, the defense will take forward. If Heisha and Neil can stay healthy, uh, a rushing attack that was number 40, I think, overall, or number 39 overall, will probably be a top 20, top 25, you know, with Jalen Daniels. So there's a lot of ifs there, but. I look at the schedule. If if they start four and zero, they beat UCF, which is another big swim game. Swing game, you know. I think that's right after the Texas game. Uh, you're looking at a five and one start, and then I have them losing to Texas Tech. I have them losing to Kansas State. Um, I have them losing to Texas. Uh, I have them upsetting OU, which is a big upset. And OSU is another one where it could swing either way, but I think Kansas should beat them uh, just with their quarterback issues.
1: All right. Shreyas Slada predicts one of the greatest seasons in Kansas football <laughs> history. We're at the doorstep. Shreyas, thanks for joining us, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks to Randy Mason for producing the show and to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Todd Feeback, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Calis Robinette, Chris Krasinski, and Shreyas Lada for sharing their insights. Do you still like reading a sports page in the morning? We have the best digital one in the country for you. It's called Morning Sports Edition, and it covers all the local sports news, then gives you loads of national and international sports coverage. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports KC, where we talk sports in and around Kansas City.